words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Today's service or message is work with me, and it's basically talking about a fellowship with the Lord in intimacy. And um, sometime, I think, in May, no, sorry, June, I was in a season that was, I felt kind of internally really disconnected in a way, and a lot of stuff was going on. Sometimes it seemed like it was hormonal, I don't know, but I was just extremely cut off. And so I was trying to figure out what was going on with me and trying to understand it better. And then I remember I reached out to um, Pastor Uche one Sunday like that. And I said to Pastor Uche, and I said, oh, I needed to see her, I needed to have a conversation with her. And so she invited me to her house that evening, you know. And on my way to the house, I was, my friend was taking me and there was a CD that was playing. And it was just a song that was talking about, run to the Father, there's grace in the Father. I'd never heard it before, but I think it's a Hills music song. And as it was playing, something just broke within me and I started wailing and really crying. And so my friend thought it was a song and my friend was that was like, oh my God, this song is a really nice song. But it, was <laughs> but it wasn't the song. It was that the Holy Spirit spoke to me at that moment. And at that moment, it was everything because when I heard my father's voice, I was like, it was almost like, why I was waiting for your voice. Why did you take this long to speak to me? And he just spoke to me at that moment. So that was what the wailing was about just hearing my dad speak to me and and he just simply said but you know you know esther you know where your life comes from you know where to do life it's from that place of your intimacy with me it's from that place of your unbroken fellowship with me so why are you always in this like you know that's where your life flows from and so, and, and of course, that was the agreement because I was like, yeah. And so by the time I reached Pastor Uche's house, I was telling her, and we, I mean, we had a really good session, but I was telling her that, you know, I already just got my healing even before coming to the house. The Lord has spoken to me. And so um, that was part of the speakings and the start about the Lord just reiterating that word of fellowship and intimacy with him. And today's text is actually taken from 1 John 1, 1 to 4. And um, this was John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, who had such an intimate relationship with him. And he was talking about Jesus and he was talking about this word of life that we have received and we have experienced. And then there was an invitation in, I think, chapter four to fellowship. And it says, and I write you these things that you may have fellowship with us. And he said, and this fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. 
And I write you these things that your joy might be full. And fellowship really is really, the word fellowship, kononaya, means sharing life with another person. It's just about sharing your life with another person. So that's the fellowship that John was describing. It's about working with the Lord, really. It's about sharing everything together with him. It's about a work of intimacy with the Father, with Jesus. And it's about making him really the center of your life, the center of your affection. It's not about adding him to your life. It's sharing. And it's a both-way thing. So it's a two-way thing. The same way we share a life with him is the same way the Father and the Son want to share, share their life with us. So that's fellowship. The Father and the Son want to reveal their face to you. And it can only happen you don't reveal yourself to strangers, really. It can only happen in that place of working together with them, working with the Lord. It can only happen in that place of intimacy and fellowship with them. And that's where you begin to, the Lord begins to reveal the beauty of himself. He begins to reveal the beauty of his face. He begins to reveal the beauty of his glory. I mean, think about it, it's really just about two friends, right? Sharing their life together and sharing themselves together, right? And the analogy is really, when you look at it, look at it you're thinking about um, two people going on work together. And you see two people in love, really just holding hands and working together. And both of them in a bond, right? They become in sync with each other. They are working step by step. And they are working in the same direction. You're not seeing two people who are in love, who are working together, and you see another person turned around, like on the opposite direction. No, it doesn't work that way. They are working together, and they are sharing life and love and laughter and bonding together. That's really fellowship. That's really fellowship. It's that place of working with the Lord. And what John was describing was that purest joy that comes from that place of fellowship. He says, I write you these things that your joy might be full. A purest joy that comes from that place of fellowship, of working with the Lord. And that's something David really described in most of his psalm. And that place of working with the Lord and that place of intimacy with the Father. And that's why David would describe in Psalm 27 verse 4 and he would talk about the beauty of the Lord. There was something that he was experiencing as he worked and fellowshiped with the Lord. As he had intimacy and communion with the Lord. There was a beauty that was being revealed to him by the Lord in that place of communion. And you can think about David have been a king of authority and just having all that mundane thing. And what he was experiencing in that place of working on the Lord was, was 
Oh my, in the light of it was the glory of God was so much. That's how he would describe it. And that's today's psalm was um, Psalm 84 when you read that invitation to intimacy. And, and David would say, a day, you know, in the presence of God, in, in the courts of God is better. Is better than anything else. Is better than anywhere else. You know, that was the fellowship David had. David did life from that place of abiding in the presence of God. That's how he did his life. In that place, David got his encouragement. In that place, David got his joy. In that place, David got his strength to do life. It was from that place of abiding in the presence of God. It was in that place. He did life from that place. He lived life from that place. It's about really just living in that consciousness of putting God in the center of everything. That's why David said in Psalm 16 verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord always before me. Surely I will not be moved because he has the Lord everywhere in his thoughts, in his actions, in his front, in his back. He has set the Lord before him. Surely he would not be moved. And that was David, um, ex David's life story of fellowship. And so fellowship is really just, um, it's just an invitation to that friendship with God. And, and I feel like that's what um, Prophet Eden, everybody was talking about in that, in that conference when they talked about the whole purpose of this everything is that God wants to have fellowship with us. God wants to experience life with us together. That's the whole purpose of the whole creation is to have fellowship with him. We're created, he also gets his kick from our fellowship with him because we were created for he for that pleasure right and that's what he was talking about prophet eden and he was talking about the whole purpose of it and it's in that place of fellowship the real transformation happens in our life it can't happen when we're far off the real change happens in that place of fellowship and intimacy and working with the lord where we become one with the Lord. That transformation takes place from the place of fellowship and intimacy. And that oneness, I believe, is the readiness the Lord is coming back for, for his church, right? That oneness together, where we become one with him, we become like him. That's what he's coming for. And so it was interesting that um, Pastor Eva also mentioned that when she talked about believers being ready. Most times when we hear and we say, oh, the bridegroom is coming. And you see a bit of the believers palpitating and scared. Right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I haven't done this. I haven't married I haven't been, I need to achieve this. I need to achieve that. Some spiritual code is like, I need to achieve tough for, for the Lord. But if you look at it in the real context of a bride and a bridegroom in love with each other, they are communing every day. They are talking, they are working, and they are doing life. And there's a distance barrier between them of location. 
And the bridegroom says, I'm coming to get you. It's a thing of excitement. It's a thing of joy that this distance barrier is no longer there. I'm coming to get my bride. Right. So maybe it's, it's a thing that a lot of believers, we need to focus on working with the Lord. And it's really work, W-A-L-K, before work, W-O-R-K, work. Sometimes we focus on the W-O-R-K, I want to do so many things, I want to achieve this, I want to achieve that. And the Lord is saying, work with me, step by step, step by step, follow me, work with me intimately, get to know me, work, W-A-L-K before W-O-R-K. We must first develop a personal history with the Lord before we talk about a public history for Him. You know? So, I'm going to just share a little bit about where my journey with the Lord changed a little bit. And it was about, I think it was about a servant mentality and a friendship mentality. Now we are servants of the Lord, I agree, I know that we're servants of the Lord. But what I'm addressing now is more of like the mentality of how a friend and how a servant approaches things. And so a servant, fine, wants to please the master, that's good. So the servant has a list of commandments to do and he wants to do them, he wants to tick the boxes because he needs to achieve it. Is either the purpose of him achieving it could be for reward or for a wage. And sometimes the purpose of him not achieving it, it's a consequence. It's a, there's a punishment to it. So he wants to please the master, right? But I feel like a friendship mentality with the Lord goes for the core of the heart, the fabric of God's heart. It's it's beyond just ticking the boxes. It's about even the mood. The mood. This thing, because you know your friend. This would affect our friendship. This would affect the mood. Do you understand? This would affect... And when you're doing stuff, it's also about, man, my friend is going to be excited about it. So when two people are in love and sometimes you do stuff for the other party, you do just, you want to see your other, your other friend smile and happy. So you do it from that place of, right, this would, this would make my friend excited. So it becomes a friendship. That's, that's the reason and that's the motive. It's the fabric of the heart the friend goes for. So whatever would affect that friendship, whatever you do, you wouldn't do it because you you care about your friend's heart and what you know what your friend likes i mean a master a, a master imagine if you're working and today your boss um comes in and he's squeezing his face it doesn't really concern you so far as you're doing your work like well, let him squeeze his face really right your own is to make sure that ah, let it not um is this squeezing his face is not for my work, so you're just doing your work. Is maybe if you have a friendship with your boss, you can begin to go and start asking questions like, you know, 
So why you start today? But really, what's your business? Your own is to do your work. That's what you're paid for. And you make sure you do your work. And you get your wage at the end. But no, a friendship, they watch out for each other's back, right? That's how friends are. They know each other. They know what your friend, you know what your friend likes, so you do it. And that's the level um, the Lord wants us to work with him, to become like him. And so I've shared a, a lot of my story about my family background. And um, so during my, so I was this child that was very, um, would say sensitive. So I think I'm very close to both my parents. But my closeness is actually really was out of curiosity a lot of times. And so I would, was very sensitive as a child and I would have a lot of off days and bad days because everything was a problem for me. I, I was the only child that never went to boarding school because it was just so tough. Anything, if anybody says anything, I'm like, I can't go anywhere. So I was that stuff. And my mom used to be concerned about me, like, you need to toughen up, you know, you need to be strong. But I think that one thing I knew about them in their work with God was that thing of like, it was almost like nothing moved them. So they could, you could come in today with the worst of all news. And the next thing, they are just fellowshipping with the Lord and there's just this bubble and excitement. They are not weighed down by anything. They had this work with God that was solid that I always would like, what really faces them? What really moves them? What really faces them? The worst was my dad because it was a bit more expressive. And so because I didn't really have joy as a teenage years, and I used to wonder, wow, they are so always excited and so joyful for what? And my dad would wake up 4.30. He was spending time with the Lord. Then he would wake us up at 6 o'clock, and we would do our morning devotion every single day, Monday to Sunday. Within that 4.30, sometimes you would hear him scream. Oh! And I'm, very, and I'm a very light sleeper. And I go and start peeping. What exactly is he doing? He's really just, he's not, he's just reading the word. He's just spending time reading the word. And he's just excited from reading the word. And I'm like, ah, I'll now go open my Bible. It's not the same Bible <laughs> I'm reading. What's all this excitement? Oh, he'll be shouting hallelujah. He's receiving the word. He's always in that bubble of life, right? Ah. I got into my 20s and I would always ask a lot of questions and some things would happen to me. I'll call him up and I'll be like, this, 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 this happened. And he will hear me, right? He will want to pray for me. But, and I'm like, I'm so down, I'm so this, I'm so broken. And he'll just be like, he won't really understand. He'll just be like, I don't understand. Why are you so broken? You are a believer, get into the word. Rest in the love of God. And immediately he starts all that. I'm like, you know, I'll call you back, I'll call you back. You are not living in my reality just i'll call you back I beg, I beg, I, i'm like daddy daddy you know what? i'll call you back i don't want to hear all these things so it almost looked like he was not empathetic that's what we probably talk because i'm like no we're not going to call him but when i look at it i feel and so we used to say he's in his own world or he lives in a different reality but i kind of agree now he really lived in an alternate reality from the life of God. He lived in an alternate reality. He lived in that bubble of life. And he was not faced by anything. 
And so one of those days I asked him a question because I always ask questions. That's how we get close. And I said, I want to know, you don't you have off days in this life? Nothing like what? I know you were very close to your mom and he loved the mom so much because the mom through medical school when the dad died, like sold all her properties to send him to medical school. So I said, okay, when your mom died, what happened? Let, let me know. And he said, okay, that of course, he's not like he's a superhuman, no, he's not. But the day he heard that the mom had a second stroke and she was lying in the bathroom and he was rushing to go and pick her up and the maid had called that they don't think she was gonna make it. And on his drive, he just spoke to the Lord and he says, God, don't take her now. Just add more years to her years. Because I haven't really spent time with her. Like, I gave my life in university. I've just been busy. And, you know, I want to just appreciate and love on her for some more years. And he just let it at it. And the Lord kept her. And the Lord added pretty much about three years from that time. And within that three years, I could see him. He was going there every day. He was loving on her, taking care of her, change because she became paralyzed from down up. He would change her pipers, pampers, sorry. And he spent that time with her. And he said the day before she died, the Lord woke him up and said, are you ready now? Mama wants to go. And he said, yeah, I'm ready. My heart can take it. And the next day she died. And I look at it and I'm like, that's how friends are. Friends watch out for each other's back. The Lord said, will I do a thing without telling Abraham my friend? You know, Pastor Uche used to talk about that before anything happens to her, like it's like the Lord shows her anything pertaining to her life. Like the Lord shows her before. Sometimes he's not showing her aspect to alter it. He's just showing her because that's the commitment he has to that friendship, to watch out her back. He knows that this would affect the fabric of her heart. So he cares about her heart and he's showing her before time. That's the commitment of God's friendship to you as well. So it's a two-way thing. And in the same light, last year, I think my mom was very ill and so, she was so ill. So one particular night was very, very rough. And she, and at, you know at that point when you just feel like, okay, so she started saying this prayer, you know, Lord, I commit my spirit into your hands. <laughs> I'm ready to go, you can take me now. And she said, my dad had prayed for her, but you know, she was that particular night was rough. But she said she saw my dad just turn. He didn't say anything, he just said, Lord, are you going to take her? Are you going to take my the wife you gave me without telling me? That's all he said. Because when she was praying that prayer, we wanted to be moved. And he now turned to the Lord, his friend, and says, Are you going to take her without telling me? This is the wife you gave me. Because from the story of how they met, I mean, he did not want to marry. That's what he said. He was so in love with his work with God that he felt marriage and family was a distraction. It was a mundane thing for him. It was the Lord that... <laughs> it was God that spoke to him in a dream and said, No, my son, you must marry. <laughs> and the Lord gave him the name of the person two years before he met her, the name Elizabeth. That's how they worked, you know. And so it's interesting now when we 
People say that the Lord does not um, choose wives. No, he does. Like that's the ex he wants to work with you to that level where he shares every detail, even to the number of kids. He told them, you're going to have four kids. He told them, that's how they worked with him. And so two years before he met her, he told the name and everything and just gave the picture of the physique and everything. And so he met, and they were both in medical school. She came in later, and that's how they met. So he said, are you going to take the wife you gave me? That was confidence. Are you going to take the wife you gave me without telling me? Because of course you told me. When I was to marry her, you told me. So now you're going to take her without telling me? And my mom did not hear the response, but apparently he started sleeping off. So the Lord had responded to him, and the Lord had said no. And so you, when the Lord speaks, your friend speaks, you rest. When your friend speaks, you rest. Because you know your friend. You've worked with him intimately. You trust him. And so the, I believe the Lord told him no, and he started snoring. In fact, it was in no shaking he slept and she survived and she lived through that and she's alive and so so yeah that's the level God wants us to work with him where we become one with him where we become in sync with him where we're together, working together, doing life together, sharing life together. And so I was talking about um, the servant mentality and um, friendship mentality. How? And so me growing up, so I had a relation. I knew God, right? And I was very curious and just wondering. But I was always probably as teenage and early 20s, one leg in, one leg out. So there was still this allure to the world. Maybe I felt that the world had something to offer me. But I would go to the world and maybe get bonds or something, come back, feel the father's embrace, feel the father's comfort. <laughs> and I would stay, so I liked it, but I liked the two at that time. <laughs> And so, yeah, maybe there, there will be an extent to my friendship with the world because there was still that fear of the Lord I had that I wouldn't probably go to the extreme or do certain things because of consequences. I thought, knew about all of that. And so, but I wasn't really in fellowship with God and working with him that intimately, intimately. And then I think it went on for a while. So sometimes I, would, I could be consistent in whatever. And you know, the interesting thing is that when we talk about godly desires, godly desires are actually an offspring of your fellowship, of your fellowship. So whatever desires you're having is as a result of what are you fellowshipping with? So if you're fellowshipping with the world, you have worldly desires. But the more you fellowship with God, you begin to have godly desires. You begin to have that transformation. You know, 
So it's really an offspring of your fellowship, just like husband and wife, intimacy, offspring. Desire is an offspring of your fellowship. And so um, I was talking about an encounter I had. And so and then in 2014, so I won't say, it's not, I'm not saying that I wasn't a Christian or I didn't have experiences of God and all that. I was, or I, was I was going to, I was even a solid <laughs> worker in church and everything. But in 2014, I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my work from what it was. And basically, so I was praying about something that I wanted to change in my favor. And I had been praying for it for like three months. You know, this kind of thing that I'm like, I'm going to die here. God is going to change this circumstance. I was really, it, um, it became like an idol. Like, because, so now the thing is, fellowship is actually not just, it's not praying. Because you can actually be praying and not in fellowship. It's really about the connection, the making him the center of your heart when nothing is like an idol before him, right? And so if someone would open the door, because I was really praying about that situation, morning, afternoon, night. And if someone opened it and see me praying, they'd be like, ah, this person is really fellowshipping. I wasn't fellowshipping, I was just praying about a particular situation. And the situation wouldn't change, hadn't changed. And there was this particular day I had cried and prayed about it. I wanted God to do something. In my tiredness, I slept off. And when I slept off, I came into a trance. And in that trance, I was somewhere like I was in a garden. And then I saw Jesus come in the boat. And when Jesus came in the boat, I was super excited because but now my excitement was not, oh, Jesus had come. My excitement was like, the answer had come. I was like, yeah. And so I turned and I saw Jesus beckon to me like smiling and he says, come. No, he didn't say a word. He just smiled and beckoned to me. And so because he wasn't really my friend like that, I was, there was a trust factor about it. And so I said I needed to ask him. Because I've been crying for three months, right? I don't want a situation where I enter and we just, and still nothing changes. So I said, let me ask him. And I said, have you come with the answer? Because that was what I was interested in. <laughs> that was what I was interested in at that time. Have you come with the answer? And he didn't say anything. He just smiled again. And interestingly, I stood. I wasn't going to move because I was like, you must tell me. And he left. I continued doing what I was doing. He came again the second time. And this time, I looked at him. And he said to me, come. He spoke. And so I said, okay, to myself, I'll go. I mean, he's Jesus. He has the answer. Maybe the answer would be somewhere else, at the other side of the boat. How cool. And so I entered inside this boat. And then he looked at me and he said, relax. I just want to enjoy you. And you enjoy me. Basically, just enjoy my presence. Let's go for a ride. And I woke up. And when he spoke, you know, I woke up, I did not even remember that situation. Like, I didn't even remember it. It just left. But recently, that trance came to me. And 
I was thinking about why the trans came to me. And I was now looking at my journey from that 2014 to now. And it looked as if there was just that allure of the world had died, literally. I'm not talking about the perfection of my work. I'm just talking about my heart began to yearn for God much more. It began to yearn for him as the only thing that could satisfy. That mindset that I thought I had, that the, mind, that the world had something to offer, was killed. Do you understand? And so that's what that abiding in the presence of God does. It, you become undone. It begins to change you. Begins to change. You begin to. It begins to bring down that idol of your heart, and you work with him and begin to enjoy that friendship and fellowship with him. And Jesus was speaking to his disciples, John 15, 15. I said, I do no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because all that the Father has showed me, I've revealed it to you. You know, and he went on and he says, abide in me and I abide in you. And you would ask of anything and I'll do it. I mean, that's... Friendship, like I said, is both ways. He reveals himself. He shares his life and his glory with you. And you also share your life with him. And and it's also interesting to note that many times as believers, that's why it's a call to work with him, right? We are saved, yes, we are Christians. And a lot of times we stand on what Christ has done. So I think, for example, uh, a husband and wife. They're married, but they don't have any some sort of intimacy or friendship. And, but they just stay married for that purpose of being married, right? And both parties, probably even the wife enjoys the benefits of that marriage in terms of the husband takes care of the responsibilities, does what he's supposed to do. But there's really no intimacy, there's really no friendship, right? It's like an strange arrangement they are in. Or maybe a child and his parents, and you have a son name that is really popular. You go and you enjoy the benefits of that son name or the access that that son name gives to you. But you really don't have a friendship or a rapport with your parents. But you still get the benefits of it. So it's almost like a lot of times as believers, we stand on that, yes, we are saved, right? And um, we get the benefits of the salvation. We pray in the name of Jesus. We get healing because it's his name. It has nothing to do with you. It's what he's already done by in the cross. You get forgiveness. You get all of that. But we don't move into that place of working with him, into that place of friendship with him. And that place has everything to do with you. It's not, it has everything to do with you choosing to work with the Lord. It's about an unbroken fellowship of communion daily, daily with the Lord. That's everything to do with you. 
And I'm going to end with this word, John 17, verse 3. We can put it on the screen. And he says, and this is internal life, that we may know you, the only through God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That is internal life. So internal life is not some, something we, we get when we go to heaven. We think that sometimes when we get to heaven, we get internal life. We get the gift of internal life. No. Internal life starts here. Internal life is the knowledge of God. That is life internal. That's life internal. And everything and all the purpose of this is that we get to know him. That we may know him. How do you know him? You know him by working with him. Working with him intimately. That's it. That's the whole purpose of it. That we may know him. And that knowledge of him, it's so captivating we gaze at the beauty of the Lord. It says we keep on beholding him and we're transformed into that image of his son. You don't gaze from a place of far off. You come close. You come close to gaze at his beauty. And that is what David found. He found that beauty that was so captivating. He found that beauty and he just would want to gaze and gaze and gaze. So this morning is really just an invitation to move into that place of, it's just that season of working with the Lord, of just that deep intimacy with him, of friendship with him, to enjoy his presence, to abide in that consciousness of him, to enjoy the presence of God. It's so captivating and so beautiful. He reveals the light of his glory in that place. That's just the invitation this morning to come up, to desire to work with the Lord daily, daily in an unbroken fellowship. Thanks for listening to this message from The Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 